Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What I will say is, like, etiquette 101, never get caught getting finger blasted in a bar. Right, right Brian? You can do it. You just can't get caught. <laughs> We haven't been caught yet, hon. We haven't been caught yet. Welcome to Sidework Podcast. I'm your host, Jocelyn Hughes. I'm your host, Brooke Van Poplin. Hi, guys. I'm Andrea Wallace. And I'm Kyle June Williams. All the dogs are here. Except Zig. Here's something that happened, which I only shared with Andrea. Uh, I need to figure out how we can do an episode with airline stewardesses and their special form. Yeah, of we were talking a bunch about this service. You know, I definitely have uh, a good friend in Hawaii who maybe we could arrange. Like, if we knew it was a Skype situation, it must be a special kind of annoyance. I know for a girl who going works for Spirit. Oh, so God. funny. Yes. Okay, Why? funny you just brought up spirit. Um, so Why? I want to. I want to give a shout out. I flew home Sunday night on spirit. Why? Special shout out. Hold on. Let her, tell, let her tell the tale. Girls. Let her tell it. Girls, listen. There are not a ton of direct flights. Uh, Detroit to God. LA. It's it's it. Delta or God. Spirit. Delta prices had just gotten out of a one way ticket comfort range for me, and I was Got like, it. fuck it. I know how to work the spirit system. I just do. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, listen, it's never how? great, but you, you just you just fucking pay for an exit row seat. Put your head you down know? and you, you go. Get drunk oh. as fuck. Oh, <laughs> you know? interesting. Yeah. OK, just just pay for an no, exit I mean, row this seat. This is a good little life hack. I was unaware. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's just tough. And you, <laughs> and you have, ship everything you have. <laughs> exactly. I also think one thing you have to do is be like, you just have to like laugh comically, but like do like a fake and just shake your shoulders and be like, <laughs> look at this tiny little tray. <laughs> That's a chemical. No, I know. It, it's Cause to me, it's like if you were to sit down inside of a cardboard box, like that's that's listen. I mean, there are the whole like no frills. Like, <laughs> I mean, people that's their whole thing. They're like, we keep it simple. And you're like, not really. Yeah, Because then you end up paying like a gajillion dollars, ten dollars to check in. $10 to check in for your flight. Wait, what do you mean? How can that be possible? Um, If you don't print it out at home or use the app, but if you want to go up to the Spirit desk, they're like, that will be $10 to board your flight, please. Keep you on your toes. That's an airline. If I worked for it, maybe ask your friend, Kyle. Yeah. If I worked for it, I would just start being like, Oh, it's twenty dollars to lock the bathroom door. You're gonna have to. <laughs> you're gonna have to pay. If not, cash. I'm gonna sit Sorry. and stare at you. Yep. Okay. So Three dollars for a napkin. Hold on. Buckle up for this, guys. Uh, <laughs> buckle up for this. Truly. Um, so the flight was actually going okay. It was about four hours and some change to get back. Uh, it's always longer heading west, and 
I had one drink. I paid for one drink. I got a spirit bundle with like cheese snack mix or something and whatever. They have Perfect. Food. Yeah, they have snacks and they have they have beverage, whatever. And so uh, I was. They were like, we're hitting a rough patch. Um, we're gonna oh, have to disrupt service, like the whole thing. Because um, two hundred tornadoes were happening. Exactly. And so oh, they they were just like, uh, we're gonna ask the flight attendants to probably sit down for the next hour because like it's we're going through like a real rough area and so I was like damn it because so then my only focus and goal was like can I flag her down for one more tiny bottle of Jack before they go away <laughs> away you know or whatever just because it's like when you're in spirit it's like all you have there are no there are no plugs there's no wi-fi there's nothing to do and I was like I'm gonna get a little you tipsy bring a book I was reading a book and I had downloaded podcasts so I was yeah. like I know how to set myself up to get through this but I was just ugh, whatever so no it doesn't happen. So then I'm considering eating half of a weed gummy that's in my purse. Yes. <laughs> Thankfully. Waiting nope. your options. Just get I a know. sedate. I hear you. Right? I hear you. Just entertain myself, right? Uh, thankfully, I don't because all of a sudden I start seeing frantic behavior from the stewardesses like being loud, yelling at each other from this side of the plane going, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Um, is there a medic on board? <gasps> uh Across the aisle from me, um, a man died. What? A man died on the flight. What? A man died on the flight. Let me say that again. Um, they laid him out in the aisle. We're going to bury the lead, dude. Well, I've been over here for an hour and a half. Right? Um, I know. I think I only texted you because I got like a pocket of reception. And I was like, uh, like we diverted into South Dakota. Um, but it took 30 minutes to get was on the ground. Was he with anybody or by himself? He was with his son. Oh, oh my God. I know. I know. And I mean, he was definitely really elderly, um, which, you know, I, I don't know what the deal is. And I think his son hadn't been paying attention to him because I think he'd been pretty much dead or like on death's doorstep for like a hot minute. And when they realized he wasn't breathing, um, the staff like jumped into action, the spirit crew. So they laid him out in the aisle. And so I had no choice, me and my seatmate, like an older man, like we just like held each other's hand. It was horrifying oh because his my. head was right there where oh we, and we were like, God. whoa, it got so silent. Um, they had to administer CPR and the paddles the paddles what? the entire well they shocked him yeah yeah they had to keep trying to shock him and there's this the, the stewardesses were the stewardesses this. it's part of their protocol and wow, training wow i didn't know that and there's this thing too where it's like uh they're like are there medics on board or there a doctor and there's been a joke before where people are like no it's spirit you know right 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 rich right. people don't fly yeah ha <laughs> ha you know but yeah. there was i think someone who had cpr training so like two girls sprung up to help in action oh my God. he was i mean he was gone i mean this guy was just gone and so because no one is an actual doctor vice versa the protocol is until you land and the medics get onto the plane to take him they have to just keep administering cpr <gasps> no yeah yeah you i mean you can't you're you're not allowed to pronounce dead and walk away they have to do everything in their power to be like placeholder uh you know life, when the, life support when whatever. paramedics whoever comes and takes over yeah so and then now we're barreling through a storm headed to south dakota so fast i'm holding and the man next to me he i mean it was it was crazy we were just like I wait did you get like, the extra drink yeah did you get that jack <laughs> no uh, oh my god, god. We're like, 
just my luck. Um, Dude. I know. Fucking spirit, Thank right? Thank God you didn't take that weed coming, bro. That it's all, I mean, I don't mean to be like, and that's my big takeaway, but also I'm so glad I didn't take no, that weed gummy. No, um, And guy. I know it was, oh and my the God, poor son. And like, I not... think he did, but there was a real weird disconnect going on with the son who was kind of like um, not fully understanding the severity of what was going on and was like, can't we just keep flying to LA? And they're like, your father is like gone. He's gone. He's not with us. Like we don't just get to, you know, it was just strange. Um, and so then uh, the man next to me starts crying. Oh. Uh, we're holding each other's hand and he's just like, he, I was like, man, are you okay? I was like, this is intense. This is crazy. He's like, I lost a stepfather really suddenly, no. same way. And so we were just like in it together. Like we were just, you couldn't get up and move and not see it, you oh know? Oh my God. Does it so mean like, to, to say it really was Spirit Airlines? Uh, oh. Okay, so now you guys, here's, here's the kicker. So then there's like this real LA influencer looking bitch a couple aisles ahead. And then all of a sudden I start hearing stewardesses and people going, Delete that video, ma'am. Turn off your phone, ma'am. And then the everyone starts turning. This girl's like, oh, great content. And is videotaping this man who's dead and being, oh, my Jocelyn, God. you would have punched her once we deplaned, right? Because I was like, where is she? And they were like, the one with the hat or whatever. Because, of course, she was wearing like a Southwest hat, you oh. know? And so they're screaming. They're like, you take that off your fucking phone right now. Have a moral center. Like, it's one of the most insane things. So there's like a fight breaking out, a dead man on the floor. We're hurtling into South Dakota. You're out of Jack. I'm out of Jack. And then, <laughs> and then just so you know, it's a, it takes about an hour and a half uh, to they, re did, regroup. Whoa. Yeah, the paramedics... Did came the, on. So the paramedics came on first, took him off. Took and him then, off. The the ambulance never left the tarmac because he didn't, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like he he wasn't there. And then the son followed them out, but then it was like another relative who's like, I should go on to LA to tell people like what the fuck Whoa. happened. It was raisins. So then, uh, just so you know, if someone dies on your flight, right. it takes about 90 minutes oh for them. God. Paperwork. They have to replace all of the metal equipment legally um, to take flight again. So they had to get new um, CPR masks, oh uh, my paddles, gosh. like the whole thing, and refuel and just some other shit. But I mean, it was a wild. Wow. So then they, <sighs> they called, like they did something where they called ahead to LAX. And so then the plane landed. And so of course, when someone dies in a flight, more paperwork, more protocol, like we're now on the tarmac and still not allowed to go. But um, they came and got the other relative off the plane first and then like FAA people came and got the fucking videotapers and they were taken off the plane. Good. To be reprimanded. Good. Did they For get some... to go did they get to go on LA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was when we when landed, landed in LA. Okay, okay, okay. But I was like, keep them in South Dakota I in know. jail. Jail those fuckers. Leave them there or whatever. Um, I know. I would rather people go to jail for that than like an ounce of weed. I swear to God. And um, I, because I got off the plane pretty fast and yeah. I was, I'm like, I'm going to fucking find them. I've got my life oh ready. And I, I would have, I would have loved for you to punch her in the face and you would do it. <sighs> You I would. Want, I wanted but to go I, home. I wanted to go home. Right. And I'm like, dude, this is crazy. This like, like, I hope this girl like 
has some semblance of what a monster she is. I can imagine like being one of the attendants dealing with that. Like when she just like, whether that's her home base, LA whatever fucking hotel room or home she goes into and just like puts her like wheelie bag down and just like sits on her bed and like lets out this big sigh. Oh, good Lord. I mean, it's the thing where you don't know what people have been through. So you should be nice to everyone. Yes, indeed. Even to the, even to the people of spirit airlines. You know what? I give them credit because those girls are doing a good job. I mean, my friend who works there, she is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And like, it was one of those things, like, I think they they do give really good benefits mm-hmm. to their employees, and yeah. that's why she took the job. I th- only times I've ever flown Spirit, I know what I'm getting into, and it's been totally fine. Exactly. It's, well, like, not, not as bad as you think, not but I. it's not great. Because the Florida, L.A. to Florida flight. <laughs> that's terrible. Oh, don't do that, Kyle. No, I have, and I've done oh. it overnight before, mm. and I've never been so uncomfortable in my whole life. Right. It's it's a special kind of discomfort. Yep. It's, anyways. It's, it's where your butt goes numb. But then starts to hurt. Yes. But it's also numb. But you have to get the back of your thighs off the seat. Yeah. Because you actually start to get like weird pain and yep. this big like tension. It's a weird back there. it's like it's like when you're you're in a coma and you start to get bed sores. That's what yep. I can only attest it to. Ugh. So anyways, I wanted to give a major wow. shout out because that is the craziest uh part of the job, you know, because they have to uh, attend to someone who is not well. And uh girl, that's beyond not well. That was that a gone. flight. That guy gone. That guy gone. So we've got a server-submitted story from Martin Chavez, who shared two from his days working at the Olive Garden. Andrea, you want to read the top one? Yeah. I had a repeat Indian vegan couple who came in several times and would always ask what vegan options Olive Garden had. On the fifth-ish occasion, uh, he could pick up my frustration and said he felt like he was being personally attacked. I politely reminded him that most Italian cuisine is based around cheese and meat, so maybe they could explore other spots to dine out. They got butt hurt, asked to speak to my manager, and she told me I wasn't able to serve them anymore. Win! I like that. I like that one very much. You know, maybe. Twists and turns. Twists and turns. I was serving at Olive Garden for over a year. One of my most memorable stories is having a table of six come in 15 minutes before closing. Yeah. Fuck them. It took them 10 minutes to decide what they wanted, so I politely told them to hurry the fuck up because I only had a few minutes to enter their order. Of course, they all wanted basic chicken or fettuccine Alfredo, but with at least three add-ins each. So imagine the fettuccine Alfredo, add-in chicken, shrimp, and broccoli. I managed to get their order in right at 10. I come out to refill their drinks, and one lady asks for a side of salmon. One, didn't know that was a thing. Two, already put in their food. Anyway, all the food comes out, and they're enjoying their late-night leisurely meal, taking their sweet time. I asked how they liked their food, and the lady was upset with the salmon because it tasted too fishy. Oh, man. My manager didn't believe me when I told that that was their reason, so when he came back over to my POS, he just mumbled and grumbled about salmon. To wrap it all up, when I go to drop off their check, they pulled out two packs of gift cards. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I have to divert and say fuck them again. So now I had to activate and apply all of the gift cards to their bill. <laughs> also, they didn't tip. Uh, oh! 
That's more wow. common than you think. People that come in with gift cards. Oh, don't tip. Don't I'll, tip. Agreed, all the time. It's the saddest thing ever, and they'll use every penny of the gift card. And they, they're never concerned about whether or not they could like use part of it to tip you. They just want to use. They want to squeeze every cent out of that gift also, card and then stiff the fuck out I of you. I don't understand the manager like mumbling, grumbling, grumbling, and not. I mean, not also leaving. salmon being too fishy. That's such the number one dumbass complaint. It's like very fishy to me. It's like because like, it's salmon. Because it's fucking fish. It's fish and it's you salmon. Dumb hooker. You dumb hooker. Oh, I think the, the so polite mad. thing to say is you dumb sex professional. Sorry, thank you, bro. <laughs> Today's topic, which you know doesn't need to be heavy i think it's a great discussion that we can have but i think it's uh, important considering that the end of may right now and this is still mental health awareness month and i figure there's such a strong tie-in with the service industry and mental wellness and addiction um which i think we can all attest to at some point in our lives um, so I just think it's time we talk about it here on this podcast. And to note, I just found this while I was doing some research. Um, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, jobs in food service will soon outnumber those in manufacturing. Wow. So, so it's it's almost becoming like the number one sort of like non-skilled uh, job title that a lot of people hold down, which wow. is insane. Especially when you think of how the industry really messes with your brain looking at like studies like you know i mean we don't even need to look at studies we all worked it we saw it we lived it but i think what's cool is people are getting really vocal about like hey this is a problem and doesn't need to be so rampant but uh a study on abuse and mental health services found that workers in the accommodations and food service industry have the highest rate of substance abuse at 17 percent compared to a national average of only 9%. Uh, another informal industry survey found that 84.8% of restaurant managers and kitchen staff report depression, 72.9% report anxiety, and 50% report substance abuse issues. Um, and, and basically, you know, the breakdown by a psychologist is saying that dealing with people is one of the most stressful things you can do. She says, you know, and if you're focused on customer service, a lot of how your day goes might depend on interactions you have with people throughout the day. So this is yeah. like a brewing up just like a real mental health shitstorm doing this. So wow. I know. Right. And, you know, I think speaking personally too, I, I was doing um, a dinner where we were, serving, uh, you know, underfed, uh, food insecure and some homeless last night. And I know this sounds really dumb, but because I haven't done food service in a minute and because I get nervous anytime I'm around food and serving people, I had anxiety about even giving people who were so thankful to be there. Like I snapped back into server mode because I was in a kitchen uh, people were about to show up for service and I was like, oh, oh, and like started getting really, really fucking anxiety ridden. Oh yeah. It I doesn't a, go away. No, I was, I hadn't been working at my restaurant for a while cause I was traveling and I was picked up a shift and I mean, it's so mechanical to me at this mm -hmm. point. And I had an anxiety attack at work and had to leave Whoa! because I was just so, I so badly did not want that to be like, I didn't, I didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, it, I like, I, I it knocked over a glass of wine. I was like sweaty and clammy. I went completely white. It was, but it was just, it was because I like, it, I associate 
the inside of a restaurant with my own personal hell. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. And then you laugh. <laughs> my own personal hell. Are you okay? Do you feel yeah. better since yeah. it was fine? It was I, like, I, you know, they uh, they were respectful of it and let me go home and everything like that. Well, because that's it, not it's the weird. norm Right, but it's you. weird because I do it all the time. So I was so surprised that it was my reaction, but it was like my body being like, don't go back here. <laughs> well, I think that's a good point though, that like a restaurant is a scene that is set up for failure when it comes to like proper mental health. You're like, you're, you have to do things very quickly, very stressfully. You have to please people and work with different personalities. There's alcohol everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everybody drinks, which means everybody probably does drugs. You're not getting sleep. You're up till all hours of the night. You're probably sleeping through the day. Like there's lots of there's lots to add into like not being the most mentally stable person while and having this tr- job. You're, you're using in order to stay present and to you know what I mean. To get like, through, yeah, to, to get like, through it. And by using, I mean cocaína. Cocaine. Cocaine. Yeah. Still um, never done it. Never done it. Still. Oh, wow, I totally have. What I if mean, like on my 45th birthday or something, <laughs> just like where I'm like on my 45th, I'm gonna do cocaine. Eh, it's fine. It's, it's, not, it's overrated. Yeah, it's super <laughs> overrated. I mean, there's something to be said. You're being ordered around by people, and yeah. you're bringing them booze most of the time. Yeah. Right. There's something to be said with like. Being having your shift being over, nobody can order you around anymore, and now you get to have the booze. It's like me, I get this too. So I feel like there's something in that. There's this like this weird gratifying like, well, I I can drink this and I can pay for it and I can drink as much as I want. <laughs> I can have excess too. I also, have money like the customer. Cash. There's of something course. about cash that's like. Well, and the, uh, Elliot sat in with us, and he was saying how like he wouldn't even be hungry, but hated giving people food so much that he was like a food stealer. Where he's like, I yeah. can have it too, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think it's also conditioning about being around it so much that you can sort of get this like Pavlovian response. I also think, and I know this is a, well, I guess it's not crazy, but it, it's a crazy thing to think like table numbers for me. Um, I, I mean, I've worked at the same place for a really long time. I know them like the back of my hand, but for some reason I couldn't remember the table numbers. That's bad. And it all started to like blur into one and I kept dropping. I know it was a weird thing. Like I was, I was bringing food to the wrong tables. I was like, it's, but even that sort of like, like, you know, they're, they're telling you, cause I, I run food a lot when I'm not Mm -hmm. pouring wine and it's like, you know, bring this and this and this to table 41 and then this to 42 and, and this to 26 and it would, it just, it fucking freaked me out. I think sometimes with that, your brain just says no more. Yeah. I think that's probably where you were. You were like, you had shut down from it for a while. Yeah. So you went back in, your brain was like, nope, can't yeah, do it. Yeah, but Don't I was wanna. unaware. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I was yeah. unaware that my body was going to react like that. Yeah. That's, and, it, and that's scary. Definitely really scary because then to, um, you know, being uh, someone who suffers from panic and anxiety disorder, then it's the added pressure of like, cool, am I about to make a scene in a place where you drop trays, glasses explode, everyone will be there Uh, taking a video of me for sure because it's LA. Right. Yeah, there is something you said, like I I have had a shift where I, um, I, I had a brunch shift where I, you know, I hadn't dropped anything and then I dropped like three different dishes at three different, and it was like I couldn't, and then I had, you know those things that you press down 
for the um, espresso machines they used to press yeah, the down. tamper the yeah. tamper I had the tamper in my hand and my hands were so sweaty that the tamper slid out of my hand and I uh, it blew through maybe a hundred wine glasses oh and my shattered gosh. them mid crazy shift mm. and I I I was like I, I like it, it was well, you're awful. mortified. It was mortified and oh my god! But then it gets your adrenaline going because you're breaking and I kept shit. Apologizing and that's the other thing is it's like you apologize and apologize and apologize and it's like it's a human like it's a mistake. Mistake. It's an accident. You're you're of we might drop stuff like right. that's a human Shouldn't mistake. Shouldn't have the espresso machine, but yet you were expected to not. So it was like oh god, and I had to I had to take all the wine glasses out and clean all this glass up. It was just such a monster. Cleaning day. glasses should be an own episode of itself right. too, you know. But um, right, and and so it, it, but here's the thing: like when I was looking into this too, where there's something about. Is it a chicken or egg scenario, scenario sometimes where do people with substance abuse or maybe anxiety or panic choose these jobs because they're, like night owls. It's, because they're night owls or because sometimes standards for hiring, especially back of house sometimes too, is like, hey, can you put food on a plate? We don't care if you're batshit, you know? Um, or is it exposure to the job, which then can trigger some of these neuroses? Dude, it's or- the job, man. I no. know, I know. Like, if you have anxiety and you're a waiter, that's a lot different having to approach 50 tables during the yep. day and take orders yep. than if you're working in a cubicle where you can go sit and hide and type on a computer or whatever. People might not even notice if you crawl under your desk yeah, and curl up into a ball. Like George it also depends on the kind of restaurant you're working at. Like, mm. what kind of rowdiness is there? What kind of rules are enforced? Like, is it the kind of place where, like, you do your shift? Like, you don't even get a shift drink. You just go home. Like, you're not allowed well, to hang out. That like, gets two boots which is more unhealthy in the long run. Drinks. And maybe this yeah. is just being in L.A., I think shift drinks are a little bit of a thing of a, the past. That makes sense. But you're, yeah, I, it's the place I worked in Brooklyn, my last serving job, um, I got fired from. Only job I've ever been fired from. Um, it's Let fine. it be known for the it's record. Fine. It's fine. Anyway, everyone partied there. And the owners partied there. And oh, the managers the partied worst. there. And the whole staff. And you ended up at the end of the night serving the whole staff. Uh, and yeah. their boyfriends, girlfriends, or friends. And that was... I don't know if it's, I mean, if it's because, I don't know, but that was the culture. It, it definitely heavily depends on the culture of the restaurant. Very professional restaurants don't encourage shift drinks. Right, because I was going to say, like, some some very, like, hard truths about this industry, particularly, is restaurants are notorious as workplaces where intoxication, both during and after hours, can become a total way of life. And then if you think about this too, there are free or discounted shift drinks like we're talking about um, offered to employees as a, as a perk. And when you are eating shit all day, you're like, I want that perk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might also have customers who will leave you drugs as a tip. You know, like you, you just never know, right? Well, where were they when I was waiting tables? I'm sorry, but I love when that happens. <laughs> We've certainly got a few friends where you're like, it's going to take an intervention to get them out of being the drunk vampire bartender right or i would also say like if we're talking like back of house a little bit like seeing like line cooks that i've known through the years or chefs who just go they work and they go and sit on the same fucking bar stool at the bar and get yes. wasted every yes. single night I know. Guy and their the ambition kitchen. is just there's not much you and that's know? not good for your mental health no. just period because if because like i'm like okay i get it people need to decompress sometimes you don't 
have the wherewithal to explore healthier options. So just sitting on a bar stool, numbing out, having drinks, great. But then guess what happens? You sleep it off the rest of the day and then just go back to the restaurant and that's your life. And then you don't realize that you're getting depressed, you know, where it's like there could be nothing wrong with having a shift drink or two if you know, you were making sure like, all right, I'm going to see some daylight. I'm going to get in some exercise. I'm going to be aware of the self-care I need to give myself, but it just sucks. Like a lot of people in any profession don't understand self-care period. Yeah. There is something to be said too about like your nights are no longer yours. Right. You know, it's a weird thing to give up. Um, cause then you lose your mornings too. Yeah, you lose you lose so much when you fall into that vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah so other people can have fun. Absolutely. And yeah, then it's so like it makes you, you have... go harder cuz you're like I deserve fun too. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Um so did you guys like so we all agree we've probably had the jobs where it's like cool, we're the bar where like the customers all like cheer when we take shots like cuz you know, like I mean, I've never had like a coyote ugly <laughs> sort of restaurant, but I mean, I've told you about that crazy backyard bar where yes. we clearly were, you know, throwing drinks at customers and not being reprimanded in any way. <laughs> uh That was just like poor supervision all around. But I think I enjoyed my very last waiting job was very strict rule, end of your shift, um, very much out of sight, especially when it thinned out, you were allowed one shift drink and please leave the restaurant. Go. We are not creating a culture. This No one's hanging out here. Get the fuck out of my restaurant, which, you know, at James or whatever. That's when I just usually come terrorize you at the Vanderbilt (laughs) after But also, but working at that restaurant and having uh, coworkers who they didn't breed that culture, I, for the most part, was more responsible about about drinking on the job. I never liked to show up there super hungover. I took it seriously. They didn't encourage that behavior, and you definitely would get a talking to if you were, like, drunk on your shift. I mean, minus the head chef who was blasted. The whole time. He was the mm. owner and the husband, uh, you know, but yeah, yeah. he went away to the Adirondacks. I mean, we zero got to have a drink shift at Buca de Beppo. Hey, <laughs> the, bell. the bell's behind you, I think. Hey, ah. there. Oh, boy. there it is. She always put it in the middle just so we're prepped uh, for Buca Talk. But it was a corporate environment, right? So yeah. it wasn't allowed. But there were, so if I ever drink a Buca, it was like because we were doing wine tastings, right? Beginning of shift, or you're supposed to spit. Yeah, well, you know, nobody really did. So, or so I guess some people did, or I didn't. Um, if you went there on your night off, obviously, and like ate there, but I did when I worked with the one in Omaha, Donnie, the server I worked with who I love so much, he would always order a bottle of limoncello on his own dime, and he'd be like, "Meet me in the back." Oh, and he'd want to do shots of limoncello. I used to work breakfast and lunch exclusively so that was never an issue no. for me i didn't i didn't engage in drunken waitressing culture uh it was more like if i was being a drunk comedian and coming in the next day or something like that but um but when i would work at like a crazy ass backyard bar it, you know i was like well listen i'm not going to be the fucking nun of the group or whatever if this is how everyone kind of gets through this 4 a.m. shift then yeah, fuck it. I'll start drinking with everyone. And that was a slippery slope, I will say. It's the most drunk I've ever been in my adult life. And that I had to take like a hard, long look at what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And definitely the minute I left that job, many things came back into focus. Uh, I wasn't 170 pounds and like bloated, 
to bejesus from salty fried food and tequila consumption. Um, but that was that was like a moment when I was like, this ain't good. Like, this is not good. Yeah. I would say... Oh. I would say I loved... Um, besides that, she went... She, like, something happened, but she looked, like, shocked when you said 170. <laughs> um, I would definitely say that I was um, addicted to weed for mm -hmm. a long time because I would get literally, like, get in my car after a shift and be so angry and upset, but also just want to, like, forget about it and was like, I'm done and I need to, like, wind down. Yep. And it's like you just worked a shift for eight hours, like, but your adrenaline is pumping. Even if I had a good shift, like mm -hmm. you're like awake, you're wide awake. And I would have to like smoke weed in order to like go to sleep. And it became a like horrible like cycle of me. Then then I just needed weed to sleep. Oh, yeah, that that sucks. You that, know? That's definitely a moment when you're like, damn, like I can't yeah. do things like just sleep. Right. You know? And um, I would, because I would never do it before, so I didn't right. think it was a problem. Right. But then I was like, oh, I'm using it as a sleep aid every Interesting. night. Interesting. Yeah. No, I can, I can totally see that. And yeah. Like, hey, I ain't judging people who have sleep problems. In no, general, no, no, no. Yeah. But, like, but I, I didn't it. have sleep problems. I can literally sleep standing up. <laughs> I'm like, I can sleep on Spirit Airlines. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I got to say, but like for me, um, I'm not built like, uh, we have some friends who, they're like made out of Teflon. They can drink their fucking asses off. Nothing happens other than they're like, oh, maybe I'm gaining a little weight from the calories. Maybe that doesn't even happen to them. I'm dating someone who's fucking say, invincible. Nano banano. A 50-year-old invincible, untouchable. You know, but I'm also thinking of truly some friends, too, where I'm like, I have been a fragile baby bird with mental health issues, physical issues that come up when I go hard with other people to be cool and keep up with it or engage in a lifestyle like that what happens is my health declines my mental health really takes a fucking turn and I think it's again recognize if this works for you if it doesn't if you thrive and this is fine for you and you've got boundaries or there's no major effect that you feel like you're looking at your life and everything's cool do it but for me it, it, it like it was just it bred a lot of problems yeah for me. those serotonin levels can bounce back man they sure, sure. can but not like not like they used to not. <laughs> and i work in a job where like you know i'm still in the service industry but i like i'm i massage people and i cater specifically to them and it's a very peaceful moment and like now that I do something like that, like there's no way I can drink the night before because a it's very disrespectful to my clients for me to not be on my best. Mm -hmm. And if I'm at all even feel slightly hungover, the amount of guilt I have for having done it is like it it, it folds me to the ground. Like it sucks. But I will say there's but you a, take pride in your job. I very much do, Absolutely. but I also took pride when I waited tables too. Yeah, but there becomes this, like, you know what I mean? There becomes a, I know I can do this. Like, you know what I mean? It's very mechanical stuff. Yeah. And I think what you do is very personable. Thank you. It is. Um, well, I think just to end on a fun note with this, like, uh, <laughs> no, for sure. I no, think I what's really cool is there's um, there's a shift in the culture happening just in general. Uh, I was reading that, like, the James Beard Foundation, which has 
you know, plenty of restaurant groups. It's, 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 you know, chefs are nominated for these awards, et cetera, et cetera. They've got a great website. They really spoke out, like, in the past year about, like, we are going to recognize and try and encourage restaurant owners and employers just in general to move away from this culture of substance abuse, to have more empathy and to be able to recognize when um, servers and chefs are not doing well because the suicide rate with chefs is just like incredible. Um, it's really high. And to just be like, let's not um, have this just be like a dark side of the industry. Let's talk about it. Let's bring it out. You know, in the light, uh, there is a substance abuse um, resource called Chefs with Issues, you know, and it's a place too where I'm sitting here going like, oh, how brilliant. Once I started to look into this more, I think most people are like, I don't want to just go to AA. People don't know what I go through. And so what's happening is recovery groups that are specific to your line of work so that not only can you feel encouraged to get clean, get the help you need, but everyone who goes to it can relate on the profession and you talk about it and it creates an even tighter bond that you're like, oh my God, they understand what's happening, blah, blah, blah. So they're all over the place. Like I was looking up LA, like there are groups, um, like Sober as Fuck is like a group out here, um, stuff for servers specifically, chefs, dentists have their own AA group um, because there's a lot of drinking and abuse in most professions that have high sort of... Um, expectation, you know, high performance anxiety rates. Yeah, pressure. There's a couple really um, celebrity chefs that have come out recently too, like specifically Sean Brock, who has Husk and he's out of Charleston. His food is magical. Oh my God. And he recently got sober. And I don't think it's chef's table, but there is, um, you know, we can post it, but there's a Netflix show that he does where he speaks about his journey to sobriety. Mm, And he left the restaurant and then came back and had to like basically like relearn how to cook. Is this still who I am? But like, um, and there's another chef. Oh God! And I forgive me, but he's out of Toronto. And he was. And he, there's a. He's all like just drinking and eating meat and like also like hit rock bottom. And now like his serving staff stuck with him, stuck with these chefs the entire time. And now their life is like as servers, they'll never leave this restaurant. They're so happy. The staff connects so much more and they're a true family because they have a leader who's like really He's taking present. time He's to be present, present yeah. and, and care about himself and then other people ultimately. Right. And so it's like, it's like a top down situation. So mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's any takeaway from this too, um, I, I feel like, uh, you know, food service industry, we should all look for it, seek it more, maybe post even like if it helps a few people uh, listening God, to our I podcast. Wish, I wish and, I knew about that. Uh, me too, you know. But um, a lot of food service industry professionals are trying to more highlight things like their meditation, fitness, and nutrition routines. Well, I know that now you can take a 10-minute break. You're like, it's Good. Legally, you're legally allowed to say, I need to step outside. That's amazing. And having managers who are like, recognizing someone with extreme burnout or yeah. someone who's having a panic attack, like, you yeah. know, like I mean, I'm very lucky from, um, but yeah, but just more people who are trying to be uh, really good role models who are like, Hey, listen, I shoot hoops or I rock climb or I do all this stuff to build up positive energy before a shift. And then I choose healthier ways, you know, after it's over, but it's almost like, Oh, 
the pregame shift is really important too. Like, again, what we were saying, if you're just in the cycle of being hungover, crawling into the restaurant, doing the thing over and over, it's like Russian doll. It's totally. Awful. And if I may, um, Chef David yeah. uh, McMillan at Joe Beef, it's in, in Montreal. Joe Beef. That's, that's his restaurant. That he and his story is his story is really really amazing about his sobriety in getting there. So I would encourage you to look up um, David McMillan or or Sean Brock's story. It's very inspirational. Well, guys, that lovely voice that we're hearing is our good friend and warrior of the industry, Aaliyah James. Everybody, Hi. hello. You know what's messed up is my phone refuses to change your contact info from Aaliyah Green. It, like, has lived in there since we first met. That's crazy. And I have tried and tried and tried. And so you just come up in my phone as Aaliyah Green always. Which is fine. I kind of wish I had changed my name back, so... Wait, are you an Aaliyah Green or an my, Aaliyah James? My, original, my main name is Green. Wait, when were you married? Oh, I didn't even... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we were in the club. Um, yeah. yeah. I, got, I was married, like, back in 2000. 2001 and I was married for a year and then then um, you weren't anymore then I wasn't and I got the papers he was like you know you can just sign this and change your name back and I was like oh, I don't care whatever it's a name and then like four years later I was like god I wish I had changed my name back so it's just James <laughs> okay so I've actually got the proper yeah <laughs> the proper contact you got the, the, the contact the way I wish it were got it like, now if I try to do it it's just such a hassle. I never change my name. I'm still, we've been married eight years and I'm not, I don't plan on doing it. You know what? That was a different time. Yeah, I was yeah. a different person. For sure, for sure. <laughs> you know, you're making your way and your name in the industry as yep. we all are. <laughs> and I don't need anyone being confused who to look for. Correct. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Also, I wasn't going to be Brooke Sam. Ugh. That's a really Brooke good call. Sam. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. My ex's last name was Sam. <laughs> Your initials no. would have been BS. Could you have, kept, could you have kept the van? Brooke Van Sam. <laughs> that would have been great. Um, well, I'm excited. We've been wanting to have Aaliyah uh, sit down and talk with us. And really, you should pop in whenever one of our hosts aren't around. But God, I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> but like Aaliyah has been, pre she's like one of our A, most loyal friends and listeners, which we appreciate. <laughs> she's been like giving us ups and uh, a lot of props and uh she's like i've been collecting stories because i have them <laughs> she's got a, a note uh, like a note oh. oh my god i'm so excited for all of this but you know um so yeah just a little background we've all been friends for a long time but Aaliyah and i met uh in 2007 and we've moved around and been roommates and lived together yeah. on and off and i feel like i met you pretty shortly after you guys mm -hmm. met because we were i was in town for something the something. first time i ever came to visit you in New York, and you, we all hung out yeah. together. And you would, I think, you just you were working at a hotel doing pastry. I was, yeah, I was probably I was probably the first uh, kitchen job that I had. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, so describe your experience in the service industry. In the service industry, um, I know you're on both sides. Yeah. So, um, gosh, I had to, I kind of blocked a lot of this out, <laughs> and as I was thinking about it, I actually did have a server job in college. Um, I worked at a, a um, an internet cafe to to date Ooh. me a bit, um, Ooh, where people <laughs> would come in and just like. <laughs> but it was bing dong, bing dong, bing dong. It was it was opened by two of my uh, teachers who um, had no idea how to open a restaurant, um, and uh, oh my god, it was a shit show. They would 
someone would have to run to the grocery store at least two or three times a day to go pick up something that they didn't order. Their first day opening, they had all the stuff on the menu that was like like things that needed to be simmered and stewed that they did not make the day before or even that morning. So people were waiting like hours for their food. And they were only making like an order of it. So someone ordered like, and they had this weird menu and it was like, someone ordered biryani. That takes like, like two oh hours to prep. What and the hell? Then they would just make the one order. But then someone else, it was a mess. It was such a mess. Um, I only worked there for a summer and I ended up, um, I started out waiting, but I ended up basically becoming their smoothie bitch. Yeah. Just doing smoothies. Yeah. Because you're and like, I can get you this quick. But also it, it allowed me. me to be away from people, which is one of the first times I realized like waiting wasn't for me because I wear my attitude on my face. Yes. A lot. <laughs> Plus to have a job where you were like, you were like, oh, sorry. You're like in the weeds. Like what you have just described to me is fucking insanity. That, like they just <laughs> like, set you up for failure. Yeah, it was nuts. Meanwhile, just surf the net while you wait for your meal. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. And, and it wasn't even like that great of a, it wasn't even really an internet cafe. They had like two computers. It was weird. <laughs> it was weird. They were, they, okay, they. Okay, that was, that sounds like a drug front operation. Also, I will say, Aaliyah, you are our first back of house guest that we've had on the no, show. No, but she no. gets she gets the pass right. because she does do catering. I do yeah, catering. yeah, for yeah. sure. But oh, I'm no, just I know, saying, I, like, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I embrace this. Like, um, I'm happy it's happening. It was um, it was a long. It was like a very windy road. I remember telling my mom my freshman year in college that they hated being in school, and I wanted to move to New York, and go to culinary school, and she outright refused. Um, so then, fast forward like to me being thirty. No. Was I? No. No, 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 that's earlier than younger than that. Yeah, yeah. Because it was uh God, I don't even know. 30, 30, maybe 30, 31. Um, I in New York, I'm working in as a um receptionist. Um, I was always been in the service industry. I worked in hotels at the front desk and shit like that. Um, and I was just hated my life and I decided to go to culinary school. And um and I went and I literally got laid off the next day. And which was actually great because then I got an employment for the entire time I was in school and got to work in. Uh, and then I th- that's yeah that was kind of then I was just like I hate it. And when just, you're in culinary school, you pretty much eat for free, right? You eat what yeah, you make, right? Oh my so. god, did I? Those people charge so much money. So I got probably about that money's worth in butter, sugar, eggs. Awesome. <laughs> Anything I wanted, I just took it. Yeah, free food <laughs> as long as you love eating raw cookie dough for every meal. <laughs> So you sort of climbed up the ranks pretty quickly in New York. You got some really good jobs back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty good. Um, Tell us about them. Oh, um, I worked at a, my first restaurant, so when I was an intern, I worked at a pretty fancy pants restaurant that is no longer there anymore called Corton. Um, And that was my internship. Mm -hmm. And then um, from that job, um, I actually got my first restaurant job, which was at Jean George. Mm -hmm. And And this this is pastry, correct? This is all pastry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, then I um, was at Ifiori, um, which was also another fancy pants restaurant. And then I got super burnt out after I became a sous chef. I was like, I was a sous chef for about six months, and I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. So <laughs> I burnt out and ended up working like at a um, one of the many fried chicken joints that decided to open a lower. Side. <laughs> um, Did and they chicken and waffles? It was, it was or like just, that southern yeah. chicken. It was, uh, it was, oh, what was it? Uh, root and Bones. It was like, yes, you know, low country. Because like Root and Bone came out and then like 
Breast and Bubbles or some bullshit like that. I don't know. There was like four or five different fried chicken places that opened in Lower East Side <laughs> that year. I swear Breast to you. Breast and Bubbles. I, don't I just got that. I don't know what it was called. It was something with champagne. Yeah. Chicken. Chicken and champagne. Never in <laughs> but it's actually... It's fun to pair drinks with fried chicken. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I worked uh, at the pastry there, too. And then um, and then that, and then from there, I went over to catering. Right. The, the chef there, um, they cut my hours down, and the pastry chef that was there was like, oh, call this number. I can get you. You can go work in catering. I was like, great. And so so I, I feel like what's interesting is we've all connected a lot of the dots together, you know, in the 20-some episodes we've done where they're, you know, we've talked about like sexual harassment and being treated less than as a female, um, as a server front of house. And like, I know you're no stranger to that. Back of house has its own entire nightmare, uh, scenario. If you want to talk to a any nightmare, <laughs> um, I, in, in my, um, I will say, uh, in my confidence that this will become a very popular podcast. I'm going to, yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to omit some names sure. in places, but I did work in a restaurant um, that was, um, you know, they, there's a lot of like, oh, jokey, jokey, jokey. Sure. And I probably, and, and I mostly laughed about it. And I know I would come to your, when I would come to shows with you and I would tell you about some of the stuff my, my boss would do. Even if I told my friends, they'd be like, that's not cool. I'd be like, it's not. <laughs> you have to be there. <laughs> like, no, it's funny. He took her hands and put them on her tits. It's oh, funny. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. It was her hands, not his. Right. And, <laughs> I'm just trying not to get fired. <laughs> Pretty much. And so, yeah, it was like stuff like that. And just like, um, also, uh, being one of the few black people in most kitchens, you get a lot of weird jokes that you're just like, huh, that's so funny. Cool. Like, sure. No, I don't want to put those fake gold teeth in my mouth and take a photo, but, oh, oh you think it's funny? I guess I'll do it. Sure. And shit like that. And just. Wow, so yeah. fun getting it, getting it from both angles. Yeah. Wow. Good time. Well, I think people would t- take the excuse of we're in such cramped quarters that I need to squeeze by you with a tray with my pelvis fully like shoved into your like ass sort of shit. Yeah, one of uh, one of this chef's favorite. And things I just to stood say. up and, and thrusted at the air as though people can. Okay. That's okay. That's not okay, right? I'm sorry. Chef's uh, favorite sayings was, um, "It's not an." It's not harassment if it's uh, a utensil. It's an accident. <gasps> so if he, like, tapped you on the ass with a spoon, that's not harassment because it's not his hand. Wow. Fun back-of-house rules that cool, we just make bro. up. Yeah. Well, and that's what sucks, too, is, like, you know, because now we can sit here and, you know, gasp in horror. But, like, let's be honest, the Me Too movement is barely off the ground in a lot of ways. I feel like we've been able, you know, with people coming out with stories and reporting how they've been treated at work, have been able to take down executive giants or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you look at all the other industries that don't have power and are so unregulated, which 100% is restaurant work, um, you know, it's not weird that you were sort of like, well, this is not like I'm being pinned down and sexually forced on something. But... To be made uncomfortable and question what's going on while you're just making a paycheck and being a professional, like, it's totally unacceptable. It's it's scary. It is scary. But, yeah, I was never, like, I was, I was never asked to do anything sexual. Right. Or, like, I was never put in some weird, like, close corner conditions. And right. So it never really occurred to me that 
anything bad was happening because it was just like, oh, this is just a kitchen culture. Well, and also you're again being being uh, one of not a lot of females in this position sometimes, and being black, it's like you're also just trying to uh, hang out and keep up with the guys, yeah, and not cause ripples, you know. As I'm sure, like maybe some men that you worked with were just doing the same thing. I just feel like, especially when you're like under the thumb of like a like narcissist head chef. Ugh. Who he's just like, this is my attitude. This is what we're going to have in my kitchen. Like, I have to say I was very lucky after that job. Um, almost every kitchen I worked for after that was either um, a, a, like my, my sous chef and that the next place was a female. And the, the chef was amazing. I loved him. I love him to this day. Um, and he was never, he was the best. Um, and every kitchen after that was um, not especially when I moved out here to LA, every kitchen I've worked for has been female run. Yep. 90% females in the kitchen. Fucking awesome. It's amazing. I I remember you telling me, like your body, your body change at work when you know you're in an environment where you don't have to deal with things. Yeah. You're like chill. Yeah. Like you just go in and do your job. Like, the, like we worked at, I worked in this one place where we originally were allowed to listen to music and the music's so chill and everyone, you know, it was always like fun and just nothing but the only guys that were in the kitchen were the dishwashers that mm-hmm. would come in and it was like a tiny little kitchen and we just enjoyed, I, and I was only there two days a week, but I just loved it. And then, um, I, I've worked in kitchens where we can listen to music and there's guys and they play the most angry music and I'm like, you're agitating me. <laughs> I just, I don't want to hear this. Like put some fucking Sade on or something yeah. like why are you doing this to like, me like rap metal you're like why oh, one, guy, one guy I told him to turn his music down I was I walked over to him and I was like can you just turn that down a bit no 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 a bit more no 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 keep, keep no keep going. going and I was like can you just turn it off and he's like why are you I'm like dude that music is angry I don't want to hear that like seriously it's, like what are you doing I I fully remember you telling me um because you're saying positive things, do you care that we say that you really like cookbook? Oh yeah, no, That's I love like, cookbook. Yeah. So working, <laughs> uh, yeah, when you, I know we tend, we, we'll, we won't name names if it's negative, right. but yeah, when yeah. it's when you're singing their praises, I remember you telling me what a total night and day situation it was to be in an all female back of house staff. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and 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 most of the guys there that do end up working there are um, super chill, and yep. if they're not, they don't say they're long. You had a stint, which I want to see this come back to fruition for you now that weed and yeah, weed no. eating is legal. <laughs> but Aaliyah got hired. But oh, this it, it was like such it, a weird thing. It was like they she were, was going to be a cannabis pastry. Yeah, specialist. I remember that the Vegas thing, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was super excited about it. And they just stopped calling me back, and I was like, I don't know. It, it would have been fun, I guess. When you think about the timing, though, I, I think they were probably in over their head. I think yeah, realistically I think so. getting um, weed businesses prior right. to it all being as legal and out as it is now. So this is like three years ago. They were, yeah. And they were also building like their, their, um, the whole thing from scratch. Like they had their, their grow house already built, but they were building the actual, um, I don't like the actual place where they were going to like, what's that word? You know, 
do something with the wheat, like process. Harvest. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. Harvest. Uh, uh, pick, pick. Yeah. Well, no, grow. they had all oh, the, they already sure. had the tables, Distill but they almost. were like, oh. making another, they were building a whole other building where there was a kitchen where they were actually going to create the oil. Oh, the and, chemistry part yeah. of it. Yeah. Lab, and kitchen. So yeah, they were still like in that process and then they had to move it because, and then when, when they moved it, they had to redo all the whole, it was a did lot. Did they have a license at this time though? They did. Like, so, so Vegas at that time had not get past the full-blown like recreational weed they only had the um the med- medical weed at that time gotcha so i don't know what was going on i think I they had too much red tape to navigate so. and you know if anything you got paid a little bit to help them work on some recipes but who knows if their business even exists yeah I what i'm saying that. is now that's going to be a billion dollar business yeah, here in sure. la yeah I feel like I feel like with your skills as a pastry chef, yeah, you I should get back um, in. I'll hook you up with a standard some, hotel yeah, too. Totally throwing some feelers out about some stuff, just because I don't want to be scrambling for the rest of my life. Of course not. And I I think I think your talent mixed with cannabis um, is like potential entrepreneur shit going on for you. I see things. Something just came to my mind. You being back of house because you cater waiter and have been a server a little bit. Do you have any empathy or patience towards servers or do you I hate us tend to have it depends on the <laughs> waiter it honestly does i i i worked in places where um a, a waiters try to get over on me and the, and i was i was known as my first restaurant i was a huge bitch <laughs> to most waiters to most <laughs> servers because they would come and yell at me and i'm like the fuck are you and um i would they would uh you know the thing where they would forget to put a ticket in and then run back. And, and, and if you come to me and say, hey, I forgot to put this ticket in, can you help me out? Sure. But don't come to me and pretend like it was my fault. Like, right. where's my dessert? Where's my ticket? Where's my ticket? <laughs> and so I, I have, it's, it's the thing about like, yeah, that was another thing I had in here about your favorite servers. Like yeah. my favorite server, I would bend over backwards for it. I would do whatever they needed to be done. And if a server I didn't like, or if they just got on my nerves, I'd be like, can't help you, bro. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, night. Sorry. See, everyone, everyone takes their little <laughs> handful of power that yeah, they can get in the corner of the restaurant they work in. <laughs> it's, but that's the thing too is I, I learned as a server, never like I would make like really panicked eyes and be like, I really fucked up. Like, can you, like, you're, you're the only one who can help me, <laughs> Luke. You know, um, I would do that too because I generally would be like, I fucked up. I'm sorry. Yeah, Please help. Yeah, and yeah. Sure, and, and it happens. And and I mostly and the thing is, I have you know, I have to do it anyway. So whatever. But my other thing that I used to typically hate was when the servers would, we would be, especially this particularly my first restaurant running our asses off running because we also not only served the restaurant but we also served room service so mm. running our asses off and servers would be sitting over in the corner on their fucking phones just chilling and i remember one of the chefs was like ha it's so funny how you guys do half the work and get twice the money it's so funny and he just like <laughs> said that so loud we all just started laughing and like things like where like servers will come in the back and complain that they that they only went home with like five hundred dollars one night and i'm like <sighs> Oh, yeah, that's, that's so a bit much. Sad because if I, I had five hundred dollars, I'd be able to pay my rent this month. It's <laughs> because I was only making ten fifty an hour. It, it is an with interesting with no overtime thing. in New York. <laughs> I and I don't want to be the I don't want to be an asshole because <laughs> I'm not. But there are times where, and I will say this just for like etiquette of like server front of house versus back of house because that's a big thing Huge. with a lot of people. Is that like 
everybody be nice to each other because like we're all everybody's gonna fuck up at some point oh, for sure like you yeah, you yeah. have fucked up too oh yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> i like, know i've like dropped a dessert and i'm like oh, i have to remake this dessert sorry it's not gonna be out in five yeah minutes. sorry like <laughs> stretch make a stretchy yeah. motion <laughs> with your hands <laughs> like, absolutely, i mean yeah, no, like nobody absolutely nobody's perfect in the restaurant and, it, and it's and i i feel like but i feel like a lot of the contention with front of the house back of the house is um it it, it it it's not even like their it's not even their fault it's it's definitely like the top of the chain thing and it's like they're causing the animosity like if you pay everybody a living wage we wouldn't hate most most of the hate mm. that comes from back of the house with the front of the house is that we know how much money they mostly get on like a good night mm-hmm. when yeah it's like it's it's fine like our, like regardless of how many covers we do my paycheck's not going to change it never changes it doesn't change um but which is fine when it's slow but when it's busy and like a server's going home with like a, with like in a week two thousand dollars or something like that, and I'm barely making my rent, make working the same hours as I did the week before, it, it, that's what, where it sucks. And that's where I think I, that's yes. where a lot of the animosity comes from. Here's a tip: uh, if you are um, going to uh, decide to bake or cook something, make sure you do something called mise en place, which is a uh, mess in place, and it means just get all your ingredients out. And um, when you do that, it it seems less daunting because you have everything out and you're not rushing to go cut onions when you realize onions should have been cut while something else was being done. So, yeah, just if you do that, it it makes your recipes go faster and you'll feel like a, pretend like you're in a little cooking show. Like you, you'll feel like you're doing. Something. I couldn't agree more with this tip. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> couldn't agree more. Way to bring it home. Here's a tip. If you're having a panic attack, um, this is something that you can do that my wonderful therapist, Kim, taught me. Uh, you count down five, four, three, two, one. You touch five things. Mm-hmm. You smell four things. You taste three things. You hear two things. And you see one thing. Like you, And it can go with in any sort of like sensory, whatever. Like You don't have to do it a certain way. But <clears throat> it's very helpful for me. I fully will back that up because mm-hmm. the the sensation of having a panic attack is that you're leaving your body, sort of. You become yeah. very detached and things become very disoriented and otherworldly. And so even uh, another thing too, even like um, put a candy in your mouth so oh. that you could taste something. I'll add to that. Taste something like focus on the taste, chew it, move it around. It brings you back into your body. Hmm. Isn't something I heard about like putting your feet flat on the ground, flat on the ground, like sitting down, or is that some, for something else? No, that's so your blood pressure doesn't skyrocket oh, at the doctor. Let's yeah. <laughs> say different We'll save that for another episode. Um, well, you guys are the best. I love you all. Love you. Guys friends. And uh, it, honestly, if you need help, there are resources out there. Um, you can do the classic routes of AA. You, if, if you're not well, the National Suicide Hotline is always there. But if you're not there um, on that brink uh, quite yet, then I really recommend doing some research and finding like an interesting meetup group uh, to just go check out locally. There's some really, really awesome stuff, believe it or not, that the internet provides. Or slide scale therapy. Hell yeah. Look that Common up. therapy. We what, all love our therapy. Talk space. You know I love my talk space. Anna. <laughs> love Anna. <laughs> All right. Thanks awesome. for listening, guys. Yeah. What's the do we need to podcast do intro? Emmy do version? Because I feel like we're going to win one of them. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey guys, uh, thanks for listening. If you'd be so kind, please um, rate and review and subscribe.